Welcome back to Shit I Should Have Read in School, the podcast where we go back and read the classic books we were supposed to read in high school, but we're too busy printing MapQuest directions to our friends' houses instead. Oh my God, those days. <laughs> I had a whole binder. It was awesome. And I kept it in the car and it had like Catherine's house. Oh, oh kids today will never know. <laughs> First address book. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. For today's episode, we read William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. We'll discuss if Shakespeare was meant to be read or performed. Oh my God, I was just like, what's going on? What does this mean? If we would spend a pence to go see him. I'm a little wine drunk right now thinking about it. And modern day interpretations of his work. He's kind of like the OG of rom-coms. But first, let's introduce ourselves. This week, we'll start with a fact on today's episode. What is our background in the work of Shakespeare? So I will go first. I'm Lisa Marie. I actually have like a, a loose background understanding of Shakespeare. And I say that because I stage managed and have seen a lot of Shakespeare plays. That does not mean when I read Shakespeare, I understand what is happening. (laughs) But you could tell us the direction that somebody should move on stage. Yes. Exit stage left. I got you. Um, <laughs> I also have seen Macbeth at the Globe. My like college went to London and we got to see Macbeth at the Globe with all of these like little Shakespeare nerds. And then me as the groundlings. That's what the people who stand on the bottom of the Globe are called. And they put like a little tarp over your head and you had to put your head through the tarp. And then what? the actors would run under the tarp and what? steal stuff out of your pockets. And it was like part of the play. It was terrifying. (laughs) Everyone was like, isn't this fun? And I was like, what do you mean isn't this fun? So I stood in my little head hole, leaned back the whole time so I could like see down into my space to like see if they were coming. And that's what I did the whole play. Granted, these people only run through the audience twice. So I spent three hours looking down. (laughs) Oh my God. For like to avoid 60 seconds. Note to self, don't ever go see Macbeth at the Globe in London. Got it. Uh, Well, I'm Lauren, and the only interaction I've ever had with Shakespeare is watching movie interpretations of his stories. Uh, So other than that, I need Shakespeare translated for me, like, in the most mansplainiest way possible. And Mm -hmm. reading this book was no... No exception. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm Katie, and I think I know enough about Shakespeare, like, through cultural references to get, like, a $200 question on Jeopardy about him correct. Um, But shockingly enough, I was thinking about this, and I have actually read more Shakespeare plays than I've actually read books in high school, because we did, like, a performance of Hamlet at my all-girls school, so that was fun. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, I've read Romeo and Juliet, and I've also read... Macbeth. I was like, wait, we just talked about it. I've also read Macbeth. So I uh, I don't find myself a huge Shakespeare fan, but the man's wordy and witty and funny, and I appreciate him for what he is. That is Way like go, right Billy. up your alley. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think the more I read it, the more I appreciate it. So yeah, yeah. who knew? I read Shakespeare. Um, all right. Well, let's learn a little bit about Mr. Shakespeare himself. Mr. Shakespeare sounds weird. Mr. Shakespeare. We're going to roll with it. Um, I love it. Um, yeah. So formal. Uh-huh. Um, he was born April 26th, 1564. He died at the age of 56. That's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most of the time we're like, 1820, isn't that yeah. so long ago? This was yeah. like, puts those people to shame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had over 40 full-length published works. Granted, he died at 56, so that's over like a 30-year career. 40 published works is a lot. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, he came to popularity under Queen Elizabeth. Of course. So the country was like relatively calm at the time and had just been coming out of like years and years of war. So when you went to go see plays, it was a lot of tragedies. So William Shakespeare comes to... Shakes it up. Yeah, he comes and he's like, you know what I'm going to make popular? 
romantic comedies. Rom-com. <laughs> he's the OG rom-com writer? He's not the, oh, he didn't invent them, but he was like, you know what? I'm going to make the best thing in the world. Rom-coms. Amazing. So he just like, just loads the stage up with a bunch of rom-coms. And it was kind of the first time that everyday people saw their lives reflected on yeah. the stage. It was a lot of like, hey, tell me the story about kings and queens. So now like the peasants were like, tell me a short story about like, the farm girl down the street and how like sometimes misunderstandings happen with her too <laughs> oh my god finally the plebes get their day on the yeah. stage yes it's, exactly it was just the first time not the first time but like the biggest time that shit was just funny they were like let's just watch some funny shit so after he becomes the og rom-com king he then kind of starts telling histories and so you have to remember at the time it wasn't like kids were sitting in classrooms reading the history of england so a hundred years ago, they had been fighting all the wars, but the people were like, I don't remember that. I wasn't there for that. It was a long time ago. So then he starts telling the saga of King Henry VI. And so basically he turns into like the original Lin-Manuel, where he's just like 200 years ago, your country that you live in had some crazy shit happen. Let me tell you about it. So he just tells the English people some English history and they loved it. So I love that. Mm-hmm. He took liberties. So like King Richard, he does a story about King Richard and he has like a hunchback and he's this old grouchy angry man. And I don't think it was that. But like <laughs> he did like he, characterizations. Yeah. Of, of people so that it, they was, knew, yeah. it was entertainment and British history. It was just like the Hamilton of its time. I love that. Mm hmm. I didn't really ever think of Shakespeare that way. I always thought no. of him as like, doth, dust protest too much. Like he always just put in kind of a formal light, I feel like, in schools. But the dude was just having a good time and he just was. making fun of people. And I <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like he needs to be taught more like that. Yeah, I feel like his like most famous work when you learn it in school is Romeo and Juliet. And that is such a tragic. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and a tragic ending and not yeah. really rom-com. Feel good. <laughs> yeah. Again, a misunderstanding gone yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. Just a misunderstanding that, like, could easily avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) There were other options. Once again, ask more questions, get better answers. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, we are actually going to dive into Midsummer. So, Lauren, why don't you tell us exactly, like, what happens in this little rom-com? Oh, yes. I mean, this is. This is a story all about L-O-V-E. We've got love triangles, unrequited love, interspecies love, a group wedding, I mean, you name it, this thing, talk about rom-com, this had all of the rom and all of the com. Uh, our story begins with the Duke of Athens, Theseus, and his fiance Hippolyta talking about their upcoming nuptials and the entertainment that they would like to have at it for them and their guests. So as a Duke, Theseus is responsible for hearing the grievances of the people of Athens and has to do just that when an irate father comes in seeking his authority to command his daughter to marry the man he would like her to marry. Oh, things haven't changed. Yeah. yeah. What, what a novel idea, concept. No. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's so unexpected. Hermia uh, is betrothed to Demetrius, but is in love with Lysander. Classic, right? And both men are in love with her. Teach me your ways, Hermia. <laughs> her dad is literally asking Theseus to publish, punish his rebelling daughter to the full extent of the law if she does not marry Demetrius. And even though Demetrius was once engaged to Hermia's friend, Helena, stay with me, I know, Theseus threatens Hermia with exile to a nunnery or even death if she does not comply. Talk about Such a some dramatic serious move, right? <laughs> Just uh, kill her. She's not going to marry the man I want her to. Just kill her. I don't even want to see her yeah, again. Then take yeah. her off the face of the planet, please. Yeah. yeah. Fuck her. <laughs> Hermia and Lysander obviously have no intention of letting any of the aforementioned happen, so they plan to run away together the next night. No one could see that coming, right? (laughs) Enter Helena, the apparent duff of the friend group, who should be elated. 
I know. <laughs> she's She just really wants love and to be loved. Uh, you would think she'd be elated to hear about Hermia and Lysander's plan to run away, but instead is a dumbass who thinks if she tells Demetrius of their plan to run away, that maybe he'll fall in love with her and forget about Hermia. Sure, that all tracks. Yeah, bad move. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. Demetrius decides to follow after them into the woods instead. And stage five clinger Helena is trailing not too far behind. Because I find you. In another part of town, some of the hopeful entertainment for Theseus and Hippolyta's wedding are a group of commoners practicing a play they will perform for the couple at the celebration, but we'll come back to them. In another, another part of town, the woods specifically, there's a fairy kingdom where the king and queen fairy are currently in a fight. It's very commonplace marital row, you know, the usual. Queen Titania was gifted a beautiful young prince from India to be her servant, but King Oberon wants to knight him because he's so pretty, but the queen refuses because she wants to keep him for herself. You've heard it all before, I'm sure, so many times. But Oberon is like any other king, you know, not used to not getting his way. So he sends his servant sprite Puck off to find this magical flower that if its juices are squeezed onto the eyelids of someone as they sleep, they'll fall in love with the first person they see once they open their eyes. I need to find this flower. His plan is to have Puck squeeze this love potion flower juice onto Titania's eyes as she slumbers to make her fall in love with absolutely anyone or anything that she sees when she wakes up so that he can claim the little prince for himself. Also, very common story, right? We've heard this all before? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, totally. Uh, as Puck f- takes off on his flower power mission, Helena and Demetrius enter the same part of the woods that Oberon is in, so he hides himself quickly so he can snoop on their drama. I'd do the same. <laughs> it's like the more Demetrius outwardly and rudely spurns Helena, the more she declares her never-ending love for him. <laughs> I feel like girlfriend really needs to watch. He's just not that into you and take notes. Uh, Oberon decides to meddle further into the affairs of others and asks Puck when he returns with the flower to also use the juice on Demetrius to make him be nicer to Helena and return her love. That's nice of the fairy king. He's like, you know what? I get this chick. I appreciate it. He's doing Helena a solid and he's also teaching Demetrius to to not be such an asshole. I I like it. Oberon takes a flower for himself and squeezes the juice onto his sleeping wife's eyes, but unfortunately he gave Puck a very vague description of this young Athenian couple he encountered. So, An when, Athenian wearing Athenian clothes. Yeah, find him. yeah, yeah. they've got like the, the garb on and it's a boy and a girl. Go find him. You can't miss him. Um, so naturally Puck happens upon a sleeping Lysander and Hermia, not Demetrius and Helena, and he squeezes the juices on the wrong guy. Hot. Lysander and Hermia had fallen asleep after a long day of running away from their civic duties, literally. Uh, And because Hermia is making Lysander buy the cow before he gets the milk, they intentionally don't sleep near each other to maintain propriety. So color Helena's surprise when she happens to stumble upon our sleeping Lysander and is the first thing he sees when he wakes up. Helena is like, wait, wait, wait. This has got to be a mean joke you're playing because everyone loves that bitch Hermia and no one loves me and just thinks he's being cruel instead of understanding that he clearly is under a love spell. She's like, real funny asshole, thought we were cool, but whatever. I'm going to go continue to stalk this other guy that hates my guts now. Okay, bye. And takes off with Lysander following her closely behind. Obviously never seen Harry Potter 6 and the plight that Ron Weasley went through with, uh, uh, yeah, I know. Lavender. Uh, we all, lavender, yeah. <laughs> She's obviously, that would have been we, my first conclusion. Obviously love potion. <laughs> we can never go one one episode without throwing some nod nope. or reference to Harry Potter. <laughs> sure can't. Sorry, Shakespeare. J.K. Rowling had to enter the conversation. Anywho, our, po- our, our poor old desirable beauty Hermia wakes up and is like, this guy better be dead because I know he did not leave me alone in the woods in the middle of the night because I didn't put out and runs off to find him. 
Meanwhile, coming back to our merry band of wannabe actors, uh, they meet up in the same woods to rehearse their play for the wedding. Our good friend Puck, the sprite with the juice, the flower juice, happens upon their rehearsal. And as all sprites love to play tricks on people, he decides to turn the heads of one of the guys named, and I shit you not, Bottom, his <laughs> name is Bottom, into the head of a donkey. Turns his head into the head of a donkey. This rather That's not unsurprising at all. No, no. Bottom <laughs> now has the head of an ass. <laughs> he has a man bottom and the head Billy of an Shakespeare ass. Billy Shakespeare at it yeah. again. <laughs> Billy Shakespeare. <laughs> this rather unsurprisingly freaks the rest of the group out, so they all run away. And, but Bottom is clueless as to what the issue is, and Puck is laughing his sprite ass off. Making Puck laugh even harder is the moment the fairy queen Titania awakes nearby and sees ass for a head bottom and falls in love with him on the spot. I love it when a plan comes together. That's, that, honestly, that is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Puck goes back and tells Oberon of his success, and the two have a nice a nice chortle about it. As they should. It worked. <laughs> He's like, listen, dude, I didn't just do what you asked. I leveled up. She's uh, in love with a man donkey. <laughs> Uh, they, they laugh about it until they see that Demetrius and Hermia run into each other and Oberon and Puck realize Puck put the love spell on the wrong dude. Uh, it was going so well. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Hermia is determined to find Lysander and interrogates Demetrius as to his whereabouts. She gets pissed and ditches Demetrius to continue looking for her love. So Demetrius is like, oh, fuck this, I'm going to bed <laughs> and falls asleep in the woods again. <laughs> Oberon takes this opportunity to use the flower power on the right guy and Puck manages to direct Helena to the spot where he's sleeping. So when Demetrius wakes up, you guessed it, he immediately falls in love with Helena. <laughs> Victory! <laughs> but Lysander is still following Helena around like a love spell, sick puppy. And so the two guys start fighting over Helena. No, I love Helena more. No, I love Helena more. Cue Helena's wildest dreams, except that she doesn't believe either of them. And now thinks Demetrius has joined in on Lysander's cruel game. <laughs> then comes Hermia, because, you know, this has to happen, right? She runs across all of them, and I swear to God, these morons were all just walking around in circles within like a 50-yard distance of each other the whole time. <laughs> or this is just how Shakespeare's plays work. I, or yeah, they had called a, a confinement of stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, is that? Okay, got mm, it. Got not it. a real uh -huh. forest, Lauren. A stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a stage. Forest. His head also wasn't a real donkey's head, in case that wasn't clear. <laughs> <laughs> not in real life, but in this story, Katie. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Hermia finds them all and is shocked to find that the reason her love ditched her in the forest is because he now loves Helena? Excuse me? Um, Screech? What? She is B-confused, and Helena is too, and now she thinks Hermia is also in on this mean, <laughs> let's all pretend to be in love with Helena joke, even though the two <laughs> girls were once good friends. Hermia is not having it. She basically threatens to fight Helena for her man. Girl fight! And then that inspires a boy fight as Lysander and Demetrius walk off to do the same over Helena. I don't know where Oberon and Puck were wa hiding, watching all this nonsense unfold, but they both realized, all right, we need to stop the infighting. We, we kind of started this. We need to fix this. So Puck starts flying around, disguising his voice as the others to draw the feuding friends all away from each other, apparently in the dark on this 50-foot stage, because I don't know how else you fall for that when you were originally standing right in front of you. Ah, please. The good thing is, this would never happen to you, Lauren, so you're no, safe. I would no. never fall for no, this No, you shit. would know exactly where everybody is. <laughs> like, there must be a sprite somewhere <laughs> off stage left who's trying to trick me, but I ain't falling for it. 
Needless to say, all this fighting and unrequited love makes our foursome tired, per usual, so they all fall asleep separately in the forest again. They have no qualms with not sleeping ever in a bed. Meanwhile, Queen Titania is still in love with her ass, the the half-man, half-donkey ass, and consents to give up her Indian prince to Oberon. So now that he's won his prize, he undoes the love spell on her, and she's just a wee bit surprised to find a sleeping man with a donkey's head in her lap. (laughs) It's still funny. (laughs) Like, what happened? Did I drink that much last night? Oh, my God. Uh, But whatever. She and Oberon go and dance it off in the forest, and Puck changes Bottom's head back to that of a human. (laughs) Ah, fairy royalty in their games. (laughs) Theseus and Hippolyta happen upon the sleeping wannabe lovers in the woods and are like, what the fuck happened, you guys? Get (laughs) (laughs) up. What are you doing? But the four can't really remember what happened. But Lysander wakes up and loves Hermia again, and Demetrius wakes up and still loves Helena? Is this everything working out for everyone in the end? Oh my god, (laughs) rom-com. So all three couples, Theseus and Hippolyta, Lysander and Hermia, Demetrius and Helena, get hitched in one big old Athenian wedding. My big old... That sounds awesome. My big fat (laughs) Athenian wedding. Sounds like a rager, to be honest, yeah. (laughs) Bottom triumphantly returns to his palace to tell them a crazy story of his last 24 hours, but they're all like, dude, it doesn't matter. We've got to go put on a play right now for these royal, like, people. Hurry the fuck up. They perform their play for the wedding attendants. The fairies swing by the castle at night and bless all the newlyweds while they sleep, hopefully in a bed this time. And Puck turns to us, the audience, and tells us it was all a dream. What? Mic drop. Insanity. Wow. That's like a lot of things should happen in a very short play. Man, I think Billy Shakespeare hits this one out of the park. I just I didn't realize how funny it was until <laughs> listening it back now twice. It's hilarious. We'll stay with us. And when we come back, we'll discuss the best way to experience Shakespeare's work, any modern interpretations. And we'll ask ourselves, why do we still care about this dude's opinion? <laughs> Welcome back to Shit I Should Have Read in School. Now let's discuss A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh man, let's get into it. Yeah, so I think it's important to to talk a little bit about. This is meant to be watched. It was written as a play. You meant to like go to the theater and sit in a chair and watch all this foolery happen. We, Katie and I, yeah. As the spokespeople for all auditory <laughs> listening. <laughs> Defending auditory learners everywhere. Yes. One book at a time. Yes. Katie and I listened to the audio version of this. Lauren read it like you're Ugh. supposed to in school. Yeah. I feel like it's important to kind of just have the conversation. Yeah. It was this hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> the audio. Can I speak to the audio version first? You as the spokesperson for audio. You go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. To all the auditory learners out there, please read a synopsis of what is happening go- first in this book before you jump right into the audio version, because it is tough with words and visualizing a donkey's ass on a human's head when you're also trying to interpret Shakespeare on the fly, it is not an easy audio pitch. And they do a lovely job. They do different voices. It's Mm -hmm. very well performed. There's actual (laughs) singing fairies. Mm -hmm. But I got through it auditorily and I was like, okay, there was definitely a (laughs) misunderstanding with a love triangle. There were definitely (laughs) fairies involved and some dude was really, really into being all the parts of the play. And that's pretty much what I took away. Read the synopsis, went back, could visualize everything that was happening in my head. Delightful. Absolute delight. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I do think that like 
I will I will nominate myself the spokesperson for I watching like it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> um, I think that when you can see it on a stage, actually, Lauren, you go you go reading first. I think that's important. Oh, my God. About. It was because you got to have the option of like seeing like who's saying this. Hermia says this. Yeah. Like, when you listen to it, you have to just like understand you would think that would help, right? But it's like Game of Thrones where they introduce you to so many people right off the bat and you're like, wait, who is this person again? And mm-hmm. Hermia and Helena having an HD and ending in an A. With the names. Oh my God. I was just like, what's going on? What does this mean? I missed the, I didn't actually think his head really got turned into that of a donkey. Completely missed that. Like I had to read Spark Notes to like, translate this for me so agreed with you lisa marie this should absolutely be seen performed Mm because then i can put like a face to a name and i can maybe like glean some context oh my god (laughs) it was it was really hard it was really tough uh definitely won't be doing that again anytime soon yeah i just feel like like i don't know when i mean i don't know anything about the history of why we learn about shakespeare in school but like I do understand why teachers are like, all right, we're going to perform Romeo and Juliet. We're not going to read it. And that's like a thing that kids do for fun. Um, But like when you watch it, you're like, oh, I understand that the space is different and they're not all in the same patch of forest. (laughs) And you understand (laughs) (laughs) because they left stage right and you assume they went to a different part of the forest. I don't know. Like they're not there. You can't see them. So they can't see you. Yeah. So you assume that is correct. But and then like you can see that the man has a donkey's head because they would have like put a donkey's costume head on him. I don't know. I just feel like Shakespeare, specifically this one, is so meant to be watched. Yeah. That it's almost like stupid to read it. Yeah. Like or it should come with like the Star Wars um, like sub thing beforehand. Yeah. A prologue of like, here's what you're going to (laughs) understand. Yeah. (laughs) And then like then you can read it and be like, and then enjoy the flowery, the flowery language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what our common uh, thespians in the play did? They were like over prologued it. And then, yeah, I feel like maybe that was a nod to himself. Maybe they should have done that. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I feel like when I read it, or when I listened to it, I was like, this fucking blows. And then <laughs> then when I like learned what was happening, I was like, this is funny as shit. <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah. I bet you have Shakespeare just like, like down into the world. That's the sound of teleporting from yeah. the heavens. Ah, um, ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got that. Yeah, thank you. Um, he would be like, yo, don't fucking read my shit. You got to yeah. watch it. And then they put a funny hat on. It was meant to be watched. I don't know. I just get on my like little soapbox. About like no one should no one should be reading this shit. <laughs> when you describe it that way though, and put it in like looking at it through that lens, I think that's it's so you're so right. And I feel like you're right. It was entertainment for for back then. That is that's hilarious. I mm-hmm. guess I would have enjoyed. I would have paid a couple pence to yeah. uh, to watch this. <laughs> well, let's get into it a little bit. So like four. What is it? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Six hundred years. Quick maths. Yeah. 600 years have That's passed. That's wild. Can we, like, our country isn't even that old, right? No. No, no. we ain't. Why do we still give a fuck <laughs> about this guy's opinion 500 years later? Relevancy. Holy shit. Good on you, Billy. Yeah. I, I think yeah. he said it at the beginning. He's kind of like the OG of rom-coms. Like, uh, name name someone older who invented rom You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he just, he had a very vivid imagination. Um, 
and was entertaining as hell. And I think people also like at their core, as much as people are obsessed with like thriller and like tragedy and true crime, I think also people really love a good happy ending too. And he he perfected the shit out of the happy ending. So oh, in a, a very triple new... Athenian wedding, yeah. I could have tied that up with a bow myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought to do Let that. Let me get my wrapping paper. I'm about to put a bow on this bitch. <laughs> oh man. I really enjoy, and maybe I'll become a Shakespeare nerd now. <laughs> He's so witty if you get what he's talking about. Like, it is not something you get off the bat. But I actually think that's a little bit of what wit is. Like, you have to be in on the joke. And Mm -hmm. he is inviting you to be in on the joke if you're smart enough to catch it. So he just gets what simple human behavior and throw one wrench into it. We all spiral, right? And Mm -hmm. he grasped that in 1500. I guess we're all people then, too. But (laughs) I... I don't know. I'm finding myself during this podcast and during reading this, I like really coming on to this guy and just being like, <laughs> I get it. I I really appreciate it. He's witty. He's funny. He gets human experience. Like, I get why we're still learning it. And for all the teachers out there, it's super fun to make your students interpret things. <laughs> I guess, whatever. But. Before they've hit puberty. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Do all the flowery language. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, it's just like a tale that doesn't, there's no like, aging out of like you want this boy and the boy doesn't want you carry out like the, it's a it's a thing <laughs> that on. happened in 1500 it's a thing that happens now i and and like yeah was what's her face the desperate one helena helena, helena <laughs> was she was it uh, like over the top dramatic yes but can you imagine watching that woman on stage like oh. fawn over that other guy and like yes. follow him around like a puppy and you're in the audience knowing that like he doesn't give a fuck about her and you're laughing like it just would have been like such a funny experience and like the physical comedy that those actors could have just like yeah leaned into like it would have just been such an enjoyable afternoon to like get a little watch. day drunk yeah. yeah and go watch a little shakespeare i, I, I think also, that sounds awesome yeah i also feel like kind of the like constant thing is people are constantly interpreting it and his words their own way so to see mm-hmm. how like every actor would portray the same words the same character mm-hmm. i think they all probably do a different take on it because his language is so flowery and it leaves so much open to interpretation mm-hmm. <laughs> and how you like read it i i don't know i bet it's i bet seeing a midsummer night stream here and then in london and then like you know i don't know somewhere else would be very three very different experiences for the same exact play and same exact writing yeah. that would be Really cool. Interpretations of Shakespeare are something that's fascinating to me. I have two thoughts on this. First, when I stage manage A Midsummer Night's Dream, the interpretation that this director that I worked with, the forest took place in like a black lit rave kind of setup. So when you're like, they were never able to see each other. It was because, yes, it was dark and you couldn't see each other. It was like, that's the interpretation that she took. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> like that was the noise that was yeah. in the background a lot. It was dark. Everyone had like neon on. It was just like a weird one box like box theater, and like that's what she wanted to do with it. And it was her interpretation of something that like took place in the woods. But she was like, "What if it took place at a rave? What's to tell her it can't?" Yeah, exactly. After six hundred years, they had to come up with some fresh take on it. That's crazy. I love that. It was super sweet. And then another point I had about this was like. When I was reading it, Lauren, we were talking about how, like, Oberon and... Titania. Titania. um, (laughs) Can you tell that I've seen this play a hundred (laughs) times? 
No, um, I can't. You keep forgetting the names. <laughs> I swear to God, I stage manage it. But when you stage manage it, you're more concerned with where people are moving yeah. than what is actually happening in the show. Yeah. Um, Where's the donkey's head? Where'd it yes. go? <laughs> it's not on the prop table where it's supposed to be. Um, but when we were reading it, I like when we were reading it back and they're fighting over a Indian, a small Indian prince. Yes. And I was like, what? So I don't remember that at all. I don't yeah. remember that being part of the show, whatever. And then I texted my friend who loves Shakespeare, and she she's like, the play that you did, they removed that entirely because it's such a culturally insensitive thing. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't age. It does no. not age that no. these people were fighting over, like the a servitude a, of an yeah. Indian prince. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so it messed up. Well. So I think a lot of. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, I've never actually seen... She's seen the play multiple times in different interpretations. She's like, I've never seen that part in the play. Because it just doesn't age well, and it's not really relevant to the story. So you mean we've out. been <laughs> correcting things that were considered fine ones that are st- politically incorrect oh. now, well before the 21st century? Oh wait, wait a second. So we're everyone who's getting all that. butthurt about that happening now, this has yeah. been a thing for a long time? What? Yeah. Mind blown. Is Robert E. Lee's statue the same yeah. as an Indian prince? Oh, Dismantle it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I think that's such an interesting point, though, that like that you're not actually seeing the same Mm-mm. play the way it was written because they have made adjustments yeah, to it. It's just so old that people are like, yeah, I don't have to do it like word for word what Shakespeare would have done. I do whatever I want now. Yeah. Like, it's like aged out of like the time where you like follow the script. It's, yeah, we don't we don't have to do and that. I'll anymore. be honest, in the grand scheme of things, the, the little Indian, the little prince, uh, he did. He didn't affect like nothing happened <laughs> they just needed something to fight over like exactly. maybe like they fought over like a magic wand who cares it could be whatever yeah. you want uh, um so let's pretend for a hot second that we are like people who go to watch shakespeare so like let's set the scene <laughs> let's let's yeah so you your character yeah. you love dungeons and dragons give me a backstory your character is like <laughs> The butter churning poor woman who's like, I only have one day off a month. <laughs> I saved up all of my pence. I don't so think that's how you butter she's churn drunk motion. Off of her but, mead. Yeah, yeah, she's churning butter. Yeah, right her now. husband has left the mead on the table. He's gone for the day. And you're like, I have eight pence. What are you going to do? Are you going to go and stand at the bottom of the globe? What did you think of your experience at this? So I took my, I put my butter turner down. down. And, um, <laughs> And I see the meat on the table, which I uh, idiot for leaving it there because yeah. obviously I so would So you drink immediately that. drink it, yeah. I immediately <laughs> pound some and then I stash some in a little sack for later so that I can enjoy some during the show. I don't think you can put liquid in a sack, but cool. I'll, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> the water bottles of the, the 1500s. Water bottles of the time. Whatever, I don't, whatever container it is that I can fit into my robe. <laughs> that I'm wearing a robe with my gladiator sandals. And yeah. I... Uh, <laughs> Go to the Globe Theater because I'm fancy, mm-hmm. and uh, I take my eight pence. And yeah, I'd be sitting with the groundlings for sure. I think I'm a little wine drunk by that, or me drunk by that point. <laughs> and I think about about the time that Puck shows up, I'm like, this fairy's about to unleash some mayhem, man. Let's go. <laughs> and I think I'm laughing hysterically at the asshead. I think yeah. that's just. I think I'm like the right amount of drunk, the right <laughs> amount of my day off, and Puck just turns bottoms head into an ass, and I think I'm right there with him. I'm like, <laughs> mayhem is king, and I'm I'm in. I'm a. So yeah. honestly, I'd do that today. Like I would do that today. I would put down whatever my equivalent butter turner is, go take my dinero, and head off and see it as well. Great. All right. So worth worth your pence is what worth you're saying. Worth my pence. Yes. Right. That's original point. Worth my All pence. Right. Lauren, your character. Yes. Is what's the, my motivation? 
Uh, you are the Duchess. Is, oh, yes. Um, like, yeah, you're, you could be the Duchess. I, I'm making it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love this. I love you're this. the Duchess. The Duke is, in t- he's here and he has some friends that you're responsible for entertaining oh, the yeah. friends. You have all the pence, yes. but it does only cost 12 pence to sit in the box. You okay. don't have to sit with the peasants okay. on the floor. Oh, good. Do you Thank take, God. Yeah. They have tomatoes. They smell <laughs> real weird. Uh, you don't want to be near them. I have sack needs, so. Not in my <laughs> Duchess dress and gown. Yeah. You don't have to go sit with them. You can go sit in your box. Do you take these guests to see this play, spend your 12 pence, which is just pocket change to you, and do you have a blast? Is this fun for you? Absolutely. And I think it's probably because I, like, I love love, and I just want to see everyone find their person. And it's, like, so exciting. We get to laugh at the peasants a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. and, like, some guy's head turns into a donkey. I guess that's weird. But, like... (laughs) At, at the end, it's a big love story. And yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think me and my friends would have a great time. Just so I understand your backstory a little bit, full yes. character range. Oh, yes, please. Um, as a duchess, <clears throat> marriage is obviously very important to you at yes. this time. Yes. Where are you as you relate to the love story? Like, are you betrothed to somebody that you love? Do you have a secret peasant lover that, like, your father doesn't know about? Like, whose love story are you relating to as the duchess of the time? Oh, um, well, seeing as how my father probably sold me, like, literally paid some man to marry me, and now sure. my sole responsibility in life is... Yes, the, the duke. duke. Mm-hmm. And now my sole responsibility is to produce a male heir. I yeah. think I'm probably relating to like Lysander and Hermia because that's gotcha. like voluntary love. <laughs> like I probably am thinking I wish I was Hermia because I can relate because like her dad wants her to marry some guy that she doesn't her, love. Yeah. Mm. So her and her true love run away together and do eventually end up together. And it's like true love does find a way, even though it didn't for me. Um, I love so, that. yeah, I think that's what I relate to for sure. All right. And so, then I'm probably very salty when I get home for the night and I don't let the Duke get any that night. <laughs> that you're like, Duke love exists. Your father. You, yeah. No, yeah. no, that's not no, how marriage that works. That <laughs> Duchess marries a Duke. We're not talking about incest, you freak. <laughs> She's married to the Duke. Her father sold her to the Duke to and the her Duke. old made-up backstory. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and my dowry was like five cows and a couple cheap. <laughs> sheep and some chicken okay and like he just no i thought that's katie's dowry your dowry is like a mansion and a bunch of dresses (laughs) well thanks Mm -hmm. somebody's like handing me over with the cow they're like here take this (laughs) you can marry her or the cow whichever you want (laughs) but you can have both either way (laughs) i want both of them off of my hands (laughs) why do you think i'm so good at churning butter it's my cow (laughs) so lisa marie what what would your what would your position be where would you be in this world are you are you a stage manager at this point yeah Ooh, I could be the stage man. Yeah, I think this, that still fits for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like part of the thespian crew, not on stage because I'm afraid of audiences. Yeah. Sure. In this and time, woman. they can throw tomatoes at you. Also, hey. do you have tomatoes in your sack? I have tomatoes in my sack. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I think like a thespian crew, you got like you can make a decent living. You have yeah. like a house above like a store. Yeah. It's fine. You mm-hmm. love to travel, and I'm yeah. sure they travel with the company. Yeah, so yeah. it would have been great. I could have, okay. I would, and I think I would have enjoyed this one because it's weird. Like, as the stage manager, you got to find the donkey head every night. You got to yep. clean up the tomatoes. You got to make sure, like, this. It's not just like a man with a hat, and that's your job. <laughs> like, yeah. this took a weird turn, and you're responsible for making sure the chaos goes off smoothly. I love controlled chaos, so. <laughs> I think I would have done well. Wow. Yeah. So I think overall, the three of us and our characters agree that this was delightful. Delightful. 
I'm a little wine drunk right now thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me, <laughs> me drunk. Me drunk. Me drunk. So aged well with all of us. So uh-huh. is there like modern interpretations of Shakespeare? Like, why do we know this jabroni's work? I'm sure like there are a lot more than I'm even aware of. But like, I didn't know before I had watched 10 Things I Hate About You and uh, found out after the fact that it was based off of um, Taming of the Shrew. And that was one of my favorite movies of all time. And I like it even more that it's like an adaptation of a Billy Shakespeare original. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's kind of great and goes back to our point of like, it's been, his works are continually like interpreted by different people and get to be seen in different mediums. And Mm -hmm. I, man's brilliant. She's the man I had no idea was a Shakespeare adaptation until we were sitting here researching it for this podcast. But uh, <laughs> uh, they kept apparently a lot of and I've never read Twelfth Night from Shakespeare, which is what it's based on. But they kept all the names the same, too. Like they didn't even try to go outside the box or be non-obvious. They yeah. didn't have to, apparently, because nobody reads Twelfth Night, apparently. <laughs> well, just but throw Amanda like, Bynes on the project, too, and you can call them uh, whatever you want. Box office hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Viola is like the actual name of the woman who's shipwrecked in the actual play who has to pretend to be a man. And Olivia is the name of the girl that the the guy's in love with. It's all the same. And just switch out shipwreck for school and switch out, you know, working on the ship for soccer. And it's the exact same thing. And I, that movie's hilarious. A nod to Amanda Bynes. May she ever find her peace. <laughs> Also a different conversation because <laughs> yes. she is the new Britney to me. And we need, uh, we need to, to watch fight out for her. her. We need to fight for her. Our watch with Britney is over and we must fight for Amanda. She's next. Oh my God. Agreed. Yeah. And what was the other one that you were talking about, Lauren? The Lion King? The Lion King. Yeah. That was based off of Hamlet, I think. Right, That Katie? one I did know. Yes. That one is what? Hamlet. And I read Hamlet, so I should know more about it. But like the the throne is pretty much up for grabs. You got an evil uncle and all that stuff. But Yes. Love it. I just like, like the plots of the Shakespeare plays, like the core plots of them themselves are just so simple that, yeah, like, honestly, you can make it in anything you want. (laughs) Win for me. Win for you. Yeah. So agreed we should all read this one in school or I think we should all perform. This should be one that they should make kids act because you see a 16 year old boy having him wear the donkey head. Funny (laughs) as fuck. Funny (laughs) as fuck. It would land. Yeah. I say drop the tragedies. And clearly, I missed the correct time frame that I should have been born during. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Lauren, you would have made such a good duchess, though. <sighs> Thank you. you know, I think I so, really too. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and Katie, your butter shop would have been awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, I do agree. <laughs> you and your mead drunk husband would have had yeah. a great time. I would have brought all of the play people to your mead shop. We would have been your best. Best customers. Mm-hmm. You yeah. would have hung out afterward with all the thespians. And like, another like, yeah. successful night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Billy Shakespeare, four in the win. I feel like he gave us a lot of new characters and things to think about. I think he's got a new fan. Uh, I'm sure he's thrilled 600 years later to welcome you to this club. Thanks, <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, stay with us. And we return, Lauren is going to teach us some old English vocab. Old English doth, you say. <laughs> Welcome back. So this is our segment called Lauren's Word of the Book, where Lauren is going to quiz Katie and I on words that she found in the book that we don't know the definition of. Lauren, take it away. (laughs) 
This is my favorite part of all of our podcast episodes and not solely because it's, you know, just for me, but... Uh... <laughs> she puts her crown on. She puts her better than her crown yes, on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is her sitting in the box and watching us plebe. Just yeah. do her bidding. So, plebeians. Uh, on page 55 of my copy of A Midsummer Night's Dream, it's our boy Demetrius talking. Him and Lysander are basically... This is when our foursome have all met up. They're all fighting. Uh, and this is when the two guys are, are starting to fight. So he's talking to Lysander, and the word is officious. You are too officious in her behalf that scorns your services. Let her alone speak not of Helena. And I'll just cut it off there. You don't need the whole page. You are too officious in her services. I'm going to say you're too, like, you want it too much, so I don't believe you. Like, you're too officious with it, bro. Like, level down. You, I don't believe you. And Lisa Marie, what did you guess? I don't, you just use the word in the sentence. Though. Katie always does that. <laughs> She's like, I think officious means officious. <laughs> yeah, I think, yes, wait, you have to get the atmosphere. The context? Which no, that's what I said. gave you in yes, the sentence. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, one I, more time from the top. <laughs> no, Lisa Marie, what did you guess? It's, I think, like, oblivious. Like, you you think that she likes you more than you're both she does. very wrong. And I also... Oh, I also love the definition of this one. It's volunteering one's services when they are neither asked nor needed. <laughs> Meddlesome. Wait, say the say the Officious. word again. I like that. O f f i c i o u s. Officious. It's oh man, it's like, I'm so constantly. Officious. You are too. You are volunteering her services when she yes. didn't ask you to. Yes, that's what she so, said. So my. My real world, sense. <laughs> real world <laughs> sentence is uh, everyone has that one family member who offers their officious opinions on how you should be living your life, usually around the holidays. Oh, can confirm. Or I think Katie no. could endorse me yeah. for my officious opinions on how to live her life. <laughs> Neither asked nor needed. <laughs> this is an official yeah. officious endorsement. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, was that, was that was a good one, Lauren. That was a good one. I might actually move that one moving forward. Sometimes I immediately forget the word after we log off here, that but I think that one might you. stay with me. I think that one mm-hmm. has a lot of real world context for yes. me. And then, sorry, mm-hmm. I just, I love Katie's like, I'm going to start using the like insults now. Right before this one is, get gone, you dwarf, you minimus of hindering, not grass made, you bead, you acorn. <laughs> I just thought it was funny and I'm now going to call someone an acorn as an insult and I can't wait. I'm so excited, you canker blossom. That was my favorite. <laughs> canker blossom. It's so gross. Oh, it is gross. Yeah. oh man, guys, this has gone off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, then, thank you very much for listening, guys. And if you're reading along with us, join us next week as we read The Hobbit. I'm psyched to read this one. I love Lord of the Rings. Do love an origin story, so I'm excited about this mm-hmm. one. I'm, okay. I'm an origin story fan. Well, we also are going to be joined by fantasy fan and actress Lucy Fry for some extra credit, guys. So Ooh, it'll be I'm a so great excited. episode. I know. All right. See you soon, guys. I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> Bye, you <All> right. acorns. <laughs> Bye, you canker blossom swine. <laughs> <laughs>